Thanks so much, team. Well, once again, good morning, Victory Point. My name's Matt, and uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning. Man, if anybody's here for the very first time, just a special warm welcome. Uh, It's normally not this windy when you pull into our parking lot, but uh, we'd love to have you come back. And if you are here for the first time, I'd invite you to to stop by the welcome table on your way out and uh, just let them know it's your first time here. They've got some special things for you and would love to get to know you. Um, Hey, yesterday, I don't know if anybody else was uh, aware of this, but there was this big event going on in Orlando called The Send. And uh, it was this epic gathering of young people. Like there was like 80,000 some young people gathered uh, just with like a special anointing just to, to go after it in the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm, I watched some of it via live stream. My brother was there. My, my niece was there. And uh, it was powerful if you ever get a chance to watch any of, the, of it online. But uh, I'm just so excited and encouraged about young people like, like Jillian, you know, and, and Scott was up there on bass and Drew is you know, playing the drums, and we just, I'm excited about what young people are doing. I, I think God's going to use this generation in a very special way. I really do, and uh, I, I think um, that, that that's going to be true of the young people here at Victory Point, and I'm excited that, that we get to invest and unleash young people. Hey, last week, I don't know if you remember, it wasn't um, as windy, but there was a lot of snow. Do you remember that? Like last Sunday after the gathering, like it was like a, an a major snowstorm, and I don't know if you remember, but uh, my family and I, we, after the gathering, we left for Detroit. We're going to go to a Detroit Red Wings game, our, our very first NHL experience. It was a Christmas present to my boys, and uh, we were driving, and it was terrible. Like, just, it took us an extra 90 minutes each way to and from Detroit for the game. And, you know, I-96 westbound was shut down, multiple car pileup. I was taking pictures of it as I was driving. Tori was. Tori was doing the updates and stuff like that. And, um, but we got to the, you know, we're, we're driving. And then, you know how your, your windshield wipers start to get icy sometimes and gets really icy? And, you know, Tori and maybe even Reese said, like, maybe we should pull over, you know, and clean them off and, i like, we don't need to pull over. I'm going to do what men have been doing every generation since cars were invented. We don't have to stop. I'll just like reach out. And when the wiper comes over here, I'm going to grab it and snap it. Anyone ever done this before? Yeah, it works. So I, I, I snapped it and, and uh, it, it got better. Then it, it wasn't quite like I wanted it. So I snapped it again and then the wiper fell off. And now the wiper's just sitting there on the windshield, unattached to the wiper arm. So like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, maybe I sl- if I slow down, maybe, maybe now we should pull over and, and maybe like fix this thing. And so I'm starting to slow down. I'd forgotten to turn the wipers back off. So the arm goes back, hits it. Whew, you know, I see it in the rear view mirror. Like, luckily it didn't hit anybody behind us, but the wiper's gone. So then we did have to pull over to a truck stop and buy a new wiper and, and put it on and you know, like, isn't, isn't it the case that, that more often than not, we think we know best. We think we know best when maybe what's best is to listen and to obey. You know, that was a perfect example to me of like, I should have listened, you know, should have like fixed this the, 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 a better way, but uh, it made for a great story. And um, it, it kind of speaks to what we're going to talk about today. If you've been traveling with us at all in this series that we started in January, um, it's called Co-Mission, The Adventure of Living on Mission Together. 
basically we've been kind of moving through our vision and our mission and our values as a church. So our vision and our mission, you've heard this repeatedly by now. Our vision is to bring, reveal, incarnate, you know, bring the rule and reign of the kingdom of God wherever we go, our family, our community, in the world. And the, the primary way we're going to do that is we're going to make disciples because that's what Jesus did and it's what he told us to do. We're going to make disciples who learn to be like Jesus in character and, and be like Jesus in competency, do the things that he did. That's our vision. That's our mission as a people, as a people called Victory Point. And then our values are how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to be as we seek to live out this vision and this mission. And we've been moving through those. And we started by looking at loving God by loving people. We're going to be people who are authentic and accountable. We're going to do kind of our our primary method of operation is going to be families on mission or communities on mission. We, We seek to be contributors, not just consumers. And then last week, Brendan did a very creative, brilliant job of reminding us the rhythm of, of, of discipleship is, it, it takes place on the spectrum between gathering and scattering. Like, we've all been scattered during the week, and now we're gathered back up again, like we do on every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And just a reminder, you know, a value is only valuable when practiced, okay? Then we got another value we're going to look at this morning, and that's this one, Scripture in spirit. Here's what we believe. We believe that God has spoken to us through his word and he continues to speak. He continues to speak to us through his Holy Spirit that lives in us. Therefore, as we seek to follow Jesus, we will regularly ask these two questions. And I bet you've heard them if you've hung out around Victory Point before. What's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? That's those are foundational questions of discipleship. That, that's a core value of ours, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So with that in mind, will you pray with me, please? Lord, we gather up after being scattered because uh, we know that the Lord has something to say to us. You've been speaking to us all week, and uh, we're, we're pretty confident you're going to speak to us today as well. And there's something that is unique and powerful that happens when we gather up in community to listen to your voice. Because it's not just a word maybe for us, it's a word for us as community. So Lord, we're listening. Speak to us. And Lord, I just want to say a quick prayer too, just as I'm thinking about it. Um, I, I think of, as I think about young people, I, I think of our, our youth group. The fire starters who are going to be um, pretty soon, the next hour, hour and a half, driving back from Spring Hill Camp. And uh, we know the weather forecast is kind of blustery today, and especially the farther north you go. We just, we pray uh, for travel mercies on them as, as they travel back. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, by the way, uh, I, I saw that the Reuben posted on the fire starters last night that, you know, if you ever go to Spring Hill, one of the traditions is broom ball. Okay, you get... Everyone participates in a broomball competition. Ruben shared that uh, the Victory Point team like, won the first round of broomball, won the second round of broomball, and were eliminated in the third round just by penalty shots. I don't think we've ever had a team go past the first round, at least not when I was the youth pastor. We never made it past. Have you guys ever made it past the first round? Yeah, not past... You passed the first round. So we do have some veterans here. So, so they, we went maybe the farthest we've ever gone. Um, you know, so it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. So when you see them, I was hoping they'd bring a trophy home, but we still should congratulate them. Okay. 
So here's, here's, here's the point this morning. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks. God is not distant. God is not quiet. And I feel like sometimes I or maybe we, we, we kind of lose the magnitude of how extraordinary that is that God speaks. And also the ordinariness of God speaking to his people. I mean, I just started thumbing through the scriptures, you know, this week as I was thinking about this. And, you know, I, I think we miss just how amazing it is when the Bible says things like God said. God said. God spoke to. God said. I mean, I think we just take it for granted. Like, how amazing that is. Like, like in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, God created Adam and Eve. He blessed them. And then it says, he said to them. He spoke to them. Be fruitful and multiply. Be, be fruitful, rule and reign. You know, later on, it says that God spoke to Cain. You know, and God confronts Cain. You're like, like why, are you ang- why are you angry, Cain? You know, why is your face so downcast? You know, in Genesis six thirteen, we have an account of God speaking directly, audibly to Noah and saying, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put an end to... to kind of all this brokenness and evil. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. And he gives them very specific instructions. In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, I want you to leave your country. And here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to go. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks. He speaks to his people. If you just keep going in the scriptures, we're told that, that God speaks to Lot through angels. God speaks to Rebecca, to Isaac, to Jacob through dreams. And then he actually speaks to Jacob in person. He speaks to Joseph through a dream. Remember that story? He's, he speaks to Moses from a burning bush and later face to face. He speaks to Moses on a regular basis. God speaks. He speaks out loud the Ten Commandments to everyone you know, on Mount Sinai. God, here's a funny story. God speaks to Balaam through his donkey. The donkey speaks on behalf of God to Balaam. And then later on, um, God, you know, he, he speaks directly through Balaam now to Balak. And, and, and there's, I skipped a whole bunch of stories, but we're only in the fourth book of the Bible at this point. I mean, this is a book of a God who speaks to his people. The, the Lord told Joshua, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. He, he, he spoke those words to Joshua. He called out to a young boy named Samuel in the temple. And Samuel thinks it's the priest, Eli. Remember that story? And, and finally, Eli tells him, like, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Then the, the Lord speaks to David. He tells David how to defeat the Philistines. Do it this way one time. Do it this way another time. The Lord speaks to Jonah. The Lord tells Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to proclaim, you know, this word to the people of Nineveh. God speaks. The God in the Bible is a God who speaks to his people. You can trace that truth all the way through the Old Testament. Now granted, when you get to that period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there does seem to be this period of time when God goes silent, when, when God, there, there, there's no voice from the Lord being discerned or heard. In that, that time period, they, they say probably was about a 400-year time period 
when, when God goes silent. And I think that's something, something we should not discount. There are seasons, there are times when, when God isn't as loud and vocal as he often is. When, when he's more quiet. But he has a reason. There's a reason he does stuff like that. But if you follow the arc of the big story, you know, God decides, okay, after 400 years, it's time to re-engage. It's time to re-engage speaking to my people. And he, and he sends some angels to speak to Mary and to Joseph and to Zechariah. Um, but God decides, you know, in the New Testament that he's going to re-engage with his people in a, in a totally new radical way. Instead of just speaking from afar, like maybe we, we see in the Old Testament, God decides to enter into the story himself. In, in John 1, it says, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. The, the word, the, the, the word of God became human and entered into the story. Jesus in the, in the gospels, he, he is God among his people. He's doing what he sees the father doing. He says what he hears the father saying. And after Jesus returns to the father after his crucifixion and resurrection, God doesn't stop speaking. Now he sends his Holy Spirit. He sends his Holy Spirit to continue speaking. And Jesus describes him and kind of gives a foreshadow to what that's going to be like. Um, in John 14, 26. It says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative. So I'm going to send somebody to represent me once I'm gone. And that is the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Holy Spirit's going to teach you everything. It's going to teach you everything and remind you of everything that I've already told you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you remember what I've already taught. There's even other things that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. The scriptures. This book is full of stories of a God who speaks. Someone who's kind of studied it has said that there's upwards to 3,800 instances in this book, in the, in the Bible, in the scriptures, 3,800 times in the Bible where we read the phrase, God said, or thus saith the Lord. 3,800 times we have examples of God speaking. The Bible leaves us no doubt, you guys, that, that we have a God who has spoken to his people. A God who has spoken abundantly to his people. But all these stories... All these stories of God speaking in the Bible, are, are they just exceptions and not the norm? I mean, is this Bible simply an amazing story of how God used to speak? God has spoken. But the million dollar question is, does God still speak? Does he still speak? Do you know the answer? Yes. Absolutely, unequivocally, yes, God still speaks. How do I know? Because I experience it. I experience it in my life. I hear stories of how you experience it. You using phrases like, God said to me, God spoke to me. God still speaks. He speaks definitely and obviously and maybe even primarily through this word. Through this book, through the Bible, he speaks through his, his spoken and written word. I mean, remember what Hebrews tells us and reminds us when, it, when, when describing the word of God. For the word of God is alive. 
It's a living, breathing book. It's alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. It goes on to say, nothing is hidden from God. Everything is laid bare. The the, the word of God illuminates. It's alive. It's a living, breathing word for us still today. God speaks like our value says. God has spoken and speaks through the scriptures. And God speaks through the Holy Spirit. We just looked at that verse in John 14, 26. Yes, this, this may be a primary way that God speaks. But it's not the only way. God speaks. I was thinking about that this week, and I want to just show you a picture of, uh, this is my dog, Kenai. Okay? Kenai is eight years old. She's a golden doodle, and she's part of the family. She's an amazing part of the family. And when I think, I started thinking this week, as I was thinking about this message, like, how do I communicate with Kenai? How do I speak to Kenai? A lot of my communication with Kenai isn't verbal. It, 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 like, like it, it's beyond verbal sometimes. Like for instance, if, if I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and I kind of roll my eyes and kind of put my head like that, like towards the door, you know, she's, she starts looking at the door thinking that maybe we're gonna go somewhere. If I, if I drop some food on the floor, either accidentally or intentionally, um, I don't have to say anything But if she's over there and I just go like this, she comes right over here. She knows there's something by my foot that she gets to eat. And she's very excited about that. That's one of the ways we communicate. If I I go pick up the leash, she knows without me saying a thing about where she's going somewhere. You know, if I just even, there's even one word, you know, communications. If, If I just say, squirrel, like she's... She's looking out every window like she's trying to find where the squirrel is. Sometimes I just do it to, to watch, which is mean. I know. So sometimes when I do see a squirrel outside, I do let her out and she chases it up the tree and she protects our property. And, um, you know, like, like if, we, if we're going away and we start packing a suitcase, something's communicated to her. She gets a little like anxious and sad. You know, because she knows we're going to go away and, and she probably isn't coming with us. Um, it, it's just, you know, the tone of my voice. Like, like when she like starts barking at other dogs or, or chasing other dogs, like I don't have to tell her I'm upset. The tone of my voice communicates something to her. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like the, the way that I communicate to Kenai um, is way beyond just a spoken word. Words are just a small part of my communication repertoire. With Kenai. And I think the same is true of God. The same is true of, of God. The, the Bible, I think, is just a sliver of God's vocal range. He, he, he's bigger than just what's in here. He's, in, he's infinitely creative. The God who communicated the Bible in so many ways has communicated throughout history to so many people in so many ways that God wants to have a conversation with you and with me. And we need to be open to that type of communication that he chooses. It might be the Bible. It might be through something else. So, so what do we mean when we say God communicates or speaks through the Holy Spirit? What kind of form does that take? Well, I just, here's a brainstorm of just some of the ways that God speaks to us. 
I think, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, obviously, we've already talked about it. The the, the scriptures are probably a primary way that God speaks to us, but not the only way. You know, God speaks to us through others. He speaks to me a lot through you. You know, just through, through what God's teaching you and showing you. And when you share that to me, you now teach me things and you show me things about who I am and who God is. God, God speaks through others. God, God told, you know, Moses's, um, you know, was it Jethro? He, he gave Jethro words to give to Moses. Like, hey man, what you're doing is not good. Here's what you should do. God, and, and Moses received it from the Lord through, through Jethro. Circumstances. You know, God sometimes uses circumstances, not always good ones, to, to, to speak to us. You know, like, like that reference right there is um, Joseph. You know, Joseph, think about the circumstances he went through when he shared these dreams with his brothers and got put in his cistern and then sold and then like in, you know, in prison in Egypt and then rose up. Like God used all these circumstances to position Joseph to, into a spot that he wanted to use Joseph to, to bless people. Um, impressions. You know, remember that story when uh, Paul's, Paul thinks he needs to go here, he needs to go there, and his road keeps getting blocked. You know, and finally he has this impression, like, I think we need to go over here. He learned to listen and pay attention to the impressions. Sometimes God does speak audibly. And, um, you know, I mentioned that, that story with, with God speaking to Eli. Or, or um, God, God was not speaking to Eli, he was speaking to, um, he just blinked out, remind me. Samuel. Yeah, Eli's the priest. Speaking to Samuel in the temple where, where Eli was present. You know, he, he, he speaks audibly sometimes. Inwardly, God, God you know, sometimes just, in, like it maybe not be a, a voice outside your head, but a voice inside your head. Uh, sometimes just through surprising means, like a burning bush would be a surprising means of God speaking to you and getting your attention. Um, God speaks through visions, gives people visions, dreams. You know, sometimes like you have a dream and um, there's something that maybe the Lord's trying to communicate to you in that. He speaks through demonstrations of powers. And, and these are just some. This is just some of the ways that God speaks. The issue, I, I, I don't think the issue is, is God speaking or not? I think the better question is, are we listening? I think that's the question we need to wrestle with. I think we can agree. God, he has spoken and he keeps speaking. The question is, am I listening? Are we listening? And listening is a skill. I think listening is a practice and a skill and a discipline that we can grow in. I went back this week and I was listening to uh, Jillian Doctor's video. You know, she was up here a couple weeks ago. Sorry to draw attention to you, Jillian. She was up here a couple weeks ago, shared her story of how God's been speaking to her over the last year in the step of obedience that she's taking. And I, I went back and listened to it. You can uh, go to our Facebook page or the E! News and, or our Vimeo page and listen to that if you missed it or want to hear it again. But I was just struck by some of her language that I don't even think she realized you know, that she used, but she talked about how she like, went through this season of learning to listen to God. In youth group, they were learning to listen to God. And like, she's practicing listening to God. And over the course of time, some things began to emerge and become clear to her. And a calling sort of evolved. And she's stepping into that calling. And is going to go spend 10 months at an orphanage in Africa. And, and we just want to like, pray 
over her and, and support her. And there's ways that you could do that. Um, just talk to her this morning if you want to find out more. But, but listening is a skill that we can develop. And I just want to look at two quick stories, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, that I think has something to speak to us about how we listen and how we can grow in listening to the Lord. The first one is in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Um, if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, um, I'm just going to paraphrase a few things. And then uh, we're going to look at a few verses. But, you know, this is the story of Elijah. It's the story of Elijah. And, um, you know, remember this? Let me give you just a little bit of background. Elijah, like uh, there's this big famine going on and he's fed by ravens. And then when that's done, like he he hooks up with this widow um, with her son and they have this unending jar of olive oil and and flour and they, they, they sustain him. And then there becomes this big contest. Remember the big contest on Mount Carmel when, when Elijah invites the false prophets to join him up there and uh, let, let's see whose God is really God, call down fire, you know, and, and God sends fire and burns up everything and Elijah takes care of all the false prophets. He just has these amazing provisions and victories and there's been no rain, right? That's why there's a famine in the land. So he prays for rain and then the rain starts to come and he, he has this amazing race. This, the, he beats a chariot, you know, to this town. And this, all this amazing stuff is going on in Elijah's life. And all the, God has just showed up big time with provision and victory. And then, um, you know, Ahab goes and tells Queen Jezebel what Elijah has done. And she says, I'm going to kill that guy. So Elijah, after all this, he gets scared. And he runs. And he hides. And again, he's strengthened by God. You know, he gets up and drinks and eats. And then he takes this 40-day journey. Brings us up to where I want to pick up the story. He's at Mount Sinai. He's at the mountain of God. Okay, and um, we're looking at First uh, Kings 19. And, and this is may, maybe a familiar story, but just catch this story. Go out, this is the Lord speaking to Elijah now. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. See, like the Lord's speaking. He's speaking directly to Elijah, telling him what to do. And as, as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. Kind of ironic that we're having a big windstorm today. A big windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Can you imagine like just being present in, in that moment? But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. Like just imagine fire all around you. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord was not in the windstorm, the earthquake, the fire. He was in the gentle whisper. Two weeks ago, um, I, I was kind of dealing with a cold of sorts. And uh, right after the gathering that morning, like I started to lose my voice. Some of you might have noticed it if you were in my communion line over here. Like I, I started to get, I wasn't able to, 
complete sentences. And I was getting really hoarse. I mean, I really wanted to drink that juice, just, but I, there was floaties in it, and that would not have been appropriate. But, like, so I apologize to anyone who I couldn't finish the words to that morning. But my voice started to go and proceeded, you know, as from Sunday night into Monday, completely lost my voice. All I could do was whisper. And, I, and I, I, I tried, you know, I came into work on Monday and had some meetings scheduled and tried to have those meetings. Um, they weren't terribly fruitful in the sense that, like, I couldn't talk very much. I was forced to just listen, which was probably good. Um, and, like, if anyone wanted to listen to me, they had to, like, really lean in and get close because all I could do was whisper like this. Okay? That's all I could do was whisper. It, it forced... I was forced to whisper and people were forced to respond by being quiet and leaning in and getting close. I just think there's something in there in relation to this story. I mean, there's these big events that get Elijah's attention. I mean, a a windstorm that makes rocks shake loose, you know, an earthquake where you feel your body moving, fire where you feel the heat all around you, all those things got Elijah's attention. And and I think forced and prompted Elijah to get really attentive, to get quiet. You know, I remember when we first introduced Dwight Beal back in January, he talked about this season where he felt like the Lord was inviting him to to get slow and low. Just to, just to get quiet, just to, just to lean in. That, that makes me think, you know, maybe sometimes I wonder if when God's speaking to us, and he's speaking to us not in the big things, but in the small ways and in the little things, I wonder if part of his purpose isn't just because he wants us to hear what he's trying to say, but as a father, he really enjoys it when his children get close. He really enjoys it when his kids have to lean in in order to hear his voice. Because God could speak through the fire. He could speak through the earthquake. He could speak through the wind, and sometimes he does. But I'm discovering it's more often in the gentle whisper where I catch it best. And it requires me to, to be quiet, to slow down, to lean in, and get close. I, I wonder if more than just what he has to say, he just enjoys the intimacy. I wonder if he just, he just enjoys being close to his children when they lean in close and they're attentive to his voice. And that's a, that's a practice we have that goes along with this value we have as a church. When, when things happen in your life that get your attention, like, like the fire and the earthquake and the wind, when things are getting your attention in life, we call those kairos moments, right? We, we call those like a, it's a moment in time when the kingdom of God is, is, is breaking through somehow and something's getting our attention and our response should be to slow down, to get quiet and to lean in and like, like listen for the whisper. What are you saying, God? What are you saying? And we use this thing like this, this practice that a lot of us have been exposed to and been trained in um, that, that you know, when we have those moments that get our attention, we, we want to slow down and just observe, like, what's happening? Reflect. Like, why is this getting my attention? Why is this creating these emotions in me? Why is this creating this response in me? You know what? It would be good for me to gather a few people and to talk about this 
and, and to just process this a little bit with, with the goal of answering the question, what is God saying? What's God doing? What's he up to in this? He's getting my attention for a reason. I think he has a word for me. I think he has a truth for me, something about who he is, something about who we are. And then once we get a hold of that, like we, we want to like, okay, what am I going to do now? What, what, what am I, what, what, what's one step I can take to act on what God's saying to me? So, so we make a plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to like invite people to keep me accountable. And, and actually, and eventually, I'm going to do it. And when I do that, like, like I, I come out on a different trajectory. And, and that's called transformation. And that, that, that's just a practice that, that we try to train and teach each other in around here um, to the point where we hope it just becomes subconscious. When things get your attention, like, don't blow past it. It might be God trying to say something to you. Slow down. Lean in. Listen for that whisper. Catch his voice. Receive it. Act on it. And then the other story I want to look at and just kind of close with is in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're not going to, I'm not going to put all of that on the screen either. But Luke chapter 8, 4 through 15. Jesus, it says, you know, in um, Luke chapter 8, he, he's sort of on this tour. Jesus, he's on a tour. You know, like, like not, he's probably not in a big bus or anything like that. But he, he's going on a tour of a bunch of towns. When he's got his disciples with him and some of the women have come with him. And he's, he's taking a tour of all the towns. And uh, what he's doing on this tour is simply this. He's preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing. And you can imagine he's drawing crowds. His reputation precedes him. They've heard about some of the miracles. And so he's drawing crowds. And so I just want to read in um, Luke 8. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. These are not on the screen. It's a familiar story though, okay? One day... Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. Here's how the story went. Here's the parable. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it, and it choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as been planted. When he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he walks off. You get the impression like he's a big crowd, says the story, kind of walks away. Now we, we have the advantage of knowing this story. We've probably, most of us, have at least heard this story or we've interacted with this story in some way, shape, or form. We call it the parable of the, of the seeds or the parable of the soil or the parable of the farmer. You know, but imagine like if you're a first-time hearer of this story. It would have been kind of weird. Kind of a, a, this, this weird story you know, that Jesus shared. He, he talks about, you know, you, I mean, imagine there, there's people who've maybe traveled for many, many miles by foot to, to hear Jesus. There, there could be like upwards to thousands of people in this crowd. So Jesus sees this crowd. And so he pulls this story out of his pocket. And he tells this story. 
hey, there's, there's a farmer and he had some seed and he, he just scattered it widely and some of it fell on the path and the birds ate it. And, and some of the seed, you know, it fell by the rocks and it sort of dried out. And some of the seeds fell among the thorns, but the thorns grew up and choked it out. But, but some of the seed fell on good soil, fell on really good soil and, and this amazing crop, you know, resulted out of it. And then Jesus kind of walks off. Like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. He just kind of walks off. Just kind of this weird, this weird moment. And and it was weird for the disciples. And they're like, so they chase after Jesus. They chase after Jesus and they ask him, like, like, what was that? Like, what what do you, what what was that story? Like, what are you trying to say? And then, um, this one actually is up on the screen. But Pete, mine says I have an error. Can you go to Luke um, 8, 9, and 10? His disciples chase him down and they ask him, like, like what, what is this parable? What, what, what is this parable? What's it mean? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled when the scriptures say they look, but they won't really see. And when they hear, they won't understand. And I was thinking about that this week and, and reflecting on that and studying that and listening to, you know, some thoughts on that. And I'm like, like, hold on. I don't know if I ever really caught this purpose of the parable before. Jesus, it seems to me, right, specifically, intentionally uses this parable so that, it says, so that the majority of the people, the crowd, won't understand. I thought parables were to make things understandable. I mean, I, I thought, aren't parables like a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and it takes the deep things of God and makes them simple so that we can all understand them. That's what I thought parables were for. The disciples chase after Jesus. Like, like what are you talking about? What, what, why did you speak in parable? And Jesus explains the meaning of the parable. I th- and, and I think... In the parable, in the meaning of the parable, Jesus reveals his answer for why he speaks in parables. He, I think Jesus is implying like you don't see farmers investing energy and resources in trying to get every seed to bear fruit. You don't see farmers watering the rocks. And you don't see farmers fertilizing the thorns. Why would you do that as a farmer? You invest in you pay attention to the good soil where the return is great. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, I'm giving my best stuff to those who are willing to chase after me. I'm giving my best stuff to those who are willing to do the work of following and listening. This, this parable like, is a powerful parable to me. And um, it became extra powerful to me this past summer. When I was in Israel. Can you bring up those pictures Pete? Um, And I know some of you here. Have been probably to this spot. On your trip. Or or maybe will be. You know I know Chad's going to Israel. In a few weeks. But um, at the top. This is the group. The study group I was with. With RVL. And and he took us off the bus. A couple mile or so. Off the highway. And we ended up by this field. And, And along the way we passed other fields. That were all. We had, you know, rock walls as boundaries between the inheritances. And um, we went past all these fields. He took us to this field and then read that parable. And he read that parable. 
And then, like, I was just writing down notes, like, just soaking it all in. And then he really convicted and challenged us, me especially. Where, where he, I think he might have thrown his hat down, you know, because he was so, like, into it. And he said, like, like if, if I hear one more person say they, they, they're not getting fed on Sunday mornings, and they haven't put as much effort into preparing their heart soil, you know, as the person up front has in presenting it, like he said, I'm going to go ballistic. And he, he, he totally took that parable, which I always used to think was about, you know, a farmer or seeds. Like, and, re, and help me understand it, it's really about, it's a, it's a parable about the soil in your heart soil. And are you tending to your heart soil? And, and are, you, are, you, are you cultivating good soil to receive from the Lord? So, so like this field... Like, you can see that, look at the thorns. There's a closer-up picture on the bottom left. Like, thorns in Israel aren't like, like little tiny prickers. They're like, like bushy trees that you, you don't want to get close to. There's rocks all over. And, and I had this visual, like, how, how could anything grow there? How could any fruit come out of that? The only way that fruit's going to come out of that field is if you start doing the work of removing the rocks and start doing the work of burning down the thorns in in. The way we do that with our heart soil is by getting into the word of God. The word of God helps us shatter the rocks in our heart soil. The word of God helps us burn the thorns in our heart soil. Do we attend to our heart soil? Here's what I'm becoming convinced of. If the only interaction you ever have with the word of God is here on a Sunday morning, I think you're going to struggle to have God speak to you. Because the parable, Jesus spoke in parables because he's trying to get us to understand, like, man, I pay attention to those who, who are chasing after me. Like, I pay attention to, and I speak to those who are willing to listen to me. I, I, I speak to those who are willing to, to do the work of preparing their heart soil to receive from me. And I, I think if, if we're not doing the work, the daily work of of, of shattering the rocks and burning the thorns in our heart soil, we're going to struggle to hear from God. That value we have that we think, that, that we believe God has spoken and he speaks and, and he, he continues to speak to us, we're not going to step into the, the joy of that if, if we're not preparing our heart soil. And we prepare our heart soil by spending time with the Lord. We, we prepare our heart soil by, by regularly, if not daily, getting into the word of God. And letting him speak. Because I think when we begin a practice of, of recognizing his voice throughout scriptures, we easier hear his voice outside of scriptures. We easier hear his voice beyond the scriptures. So I, I just invite you to reflect this morning. How is your heart soil? We can't expect to hear from God if we're not paying attention to the thorns and the rocks. The, the rocks are maybe those things that have just... They're in our lives and they've been there a long time and we know they shouldn't be there, but, but we just, we ignore them. Or we just work around them and we just kind of like move around them and we become so accustomed to them. Or the thorns are those things that we engage in that, that begin to take over and begin to choke out the, the, the word of God in our lives. Are, 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 we, are, are, we, are we defending our heart soil from those things? How's your heart soil this morning? I think if we're going to be a people who believe that God speaks and that we can hear his voice and do what he says, 
We need to do the work of preparing our heart soil to hear his voice. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I just want you to reflect this morning. There's two different people in that parable. There's the crowd that just want, want to hear from Jesus, want to see some miracles. And then there's the disciples who like chase after him. Like, man, I want more. I want to understand. I, 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 I want all that you can give me. I think we need to decide, like, what kind of life are we living? Are we just content being in the crowd? Are you going to live the life of a disciple? And the life of a disciple chases after Jesus, chases after the word of God, chases after, you know, the voice of God, looks for it, creates space for it, takes the time to prepare your heart, Goes after the rocks and the thorns. In John 10, Jesus is speaking, and he says this statement. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. When's the last time you, you feel like you've heard the voice of the shepherd speaking to you, inviting you, challenging you? I hope it's like this morning, recently. But if it's been a while, you feel like God's been quiet I wonder if it's maybe not so much the case that God's been quiet is you're just not taking time to listen, to, to slow down, to be quiet, to lean in. So, so I, I leave us, you know, with the two questions that are part of that value. Pete, you can put them up there. This morning, right now, What's God saying to you? It might be a, a prompting. It might be just a conviction. It might be like a, a celebration. It might be a declaration. It might just be a, a stirring. It, but if you're having emotions or thoughts or pictures, man, maybe that's God. Maybe that's God wanting to say something to you. Maybe he's getting your attention this morning and he has something to say to you. I invite you just to receive it. Maybe it's something you need to take from here and grab some others and process and observe and reflect and discuss. Maybe you need some of that before you can really hear what God's saying. But do the work. Do the work. Maybe this morning he's saying like, man, we got some rocks and thorns to deal with this morning. I'm gonna help you. We're gonna start digging this rock out of your life. We're gonna start burning these thorns. Over time, we're gonna create some good soil here. And there's going to be a crop that, that follows down the road. It's, it starts with starting to clear the field. Just what's God saying to you this morning? And what's one thing you will do in response? Just take a minute, reflect on that, and then we'll stand and sing.
Why don't we stand? Lord, I, I celebrate with anyone here this morning who has a sense that you're speaking directly to them about something this morning. I celebrate that. The God who spoke the universe into place is using that voice to speak to us, to little old me, to little old us. What a cool thing. I celebrate that. I pray you give us the courage to continue to listen and process and step out in faith and courage. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that like, man, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like it's working. I, I don't feel like I'm hearing from the Lord. I pray that maybe you'd give them the courage to invite some others into their life with maybe the simple question, hey, can you help me hear from the Lord? I want to hear from the Lord. Would you bring people into their lives that could help? Because Lord, we just want to be a people, a church that listens to God and does what he says, no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Reflect on these words. May these words that we sing right now just be your, your heart's cry out to the Lord.